Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Stu Hardy, joined, as always, by Derek Brissett. Derek, we've had another weekend of MLR action, and we've also had something going on in L.A., looks like rugby, but it didn't feature the Giltinis. Now, it was held at SoFi Stadium, which was christened in professional sport by the Giltinis when they faced Utah last week, but they had this other L.A. team, the Rams, um, they beat uh, Cincinnati, which doesn't have an MLR team. So to me, it doesn't <laughs> exist. Um, yeah, you know, the forward pass, not a huge fan of, but, uh, you know, it seemed a lot of people were enjoying it. Uh, the halftime show was incredible to watch as well. Um, maybe MLR could get a halftime show like that for the championship final. You know, we just need yeah. to have a whip around, see who's available. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting weekend of sport. Let's put it like that. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely the uh, the bizarre forward passing game. Um, certainly uh, was that was a pretty entertaining Super Bowl. I, I gotta say, it's a uh, it's nice to see like I guess a couple players. And it's, it's nice to not see Tom Brady there. I gotta say, um, so that was a. That's a positive from, a, from coming from a Colts fan. Always nice to see Tom Brady not in the Super Bowl, which I say with the utmost respect for the guy that's in basically every Super Bowl that I can remember from my childhood. And I hate that. But uh, yeah, no, good game. Nice to see like Matt Stafford going from playing on like the worst team in football history to uh, finally, uh, you know, getting a shot at a ring and winning it. The Bang- Bengals, I thought I thought the Bengals played pretty well. I think they got kind of robbed on some uh, some penalties toward the end of the game there, but um, yeah, halftime show was amazing. Um, loved uh, loved seeing uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop, and uh, like Eminem. Mary J. Blige's performance was unreal too. Little surprise, Fifty Cent cameo, treating him like he's the the Tobey Maguire of uh, of this rap crew, I guess. And yeah, no, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so so far, it looks awesome when it's like bumping and like packed full of people. Hopefully, that'd be cool to see the Giltinis play uh, play another game back there. It's a pretty cool looking stadium. When and uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought it was a really entertaining game all around. And uh, halftime show was probably the highlight. Not gonna lie, that was a that was a pretty solid halftime show. Um, the Rams uniforms are trash. They're so bad. Um, they should have. They shouldn't. Like they need to go back to what they wore when they were like in St. Louis or go back to like the old school Eric Dickerson unis. Um, so that's a, that's a shame. It's a shame to see a uniform that ugly lifting the Lombardi trophy, but you know, so, so be it. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I, when I first came to the United States, I was um, working at the summer camp in new England. So I was told you support every new England team or Boston yeah. team. So you support the Red Sox, you support the Patriots, so on and so forth. Now, that I live in Toronto, that's all emigrated over to the Toronto teams, but the CFL isn't the NFL. So I still have a love for the Patriots and obviously oh. uh, Brady's uh, success. But, Get off at my the same t- but at the same time, you know, he's moved to Tampa Bay. He's now retired and, you know, put a 20 plus year career behind him and his new future's gone, which means the, new stars of the future coming through that aren't Tom Brady and for at least uh, 10 to 15 years aren't related to Tom Brady's because I'm pretty sure his kids will be trying to get into the NFL but let's let's go away from the NFL their season's over 
we the all MLR know season is still going. Yeah. That's we what we need know to focus at on. At the end of the day, the Argos would wipe the floor with both those teams anyway. So I know that's why they have to be in a separate yeah. league. It's, yeah. it's just, the second it's, second best league in the world. It's only but, fair, of yeah. course. It's just no, the third. Third, league. the XFL is a thing again. So oh, third, third best. The USFL does that? Did that come back too? Fourth best league in the world? Yeah, no. Uh, all right. Anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to focus on before the Super Bowl. We're going to focus on um, MLR, um, which because of the Super Bowl, instead of doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, did Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. Um, I okay. And we'll we get actually, to Thursday, but let's talk about Friday. Say, before we get to, did you like the Thursday Friday night games? Like just in general, like not not like deep analysis of the actual game or whatever, but like the idea of Thursday as in Friday staying night. up till ten o'clock. Not really. I would have preferred if it was like a six or seven o'clock kickoff on the East Coast, but I thought the um, I thought the Seattle game was really good. I Seattle thought the first good. half of the uh, BC game was pretty good. <laughs> and we'll get more yeah. into that as we go on. Um, just... But I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the European in me. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Those are the best sporting days for rugby for me. And, you know, having to do something on the Thursday night. I know I say that as though there's suddenly all these things to do. Remember, yeah. f- people, COVID's still a thing. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I think it, if for those out on the West Coast, I think it would have been really good for them. But I think staying up for a 10 o'clock kickoff on the East Coast on Thursday night, um, I'm not a fan of that. The, the, the game was over at like quarter after midnight. It's not that long. Yeah. Yeah, and I wake up because I have a job to go to on a Friday so morning. So I prefer, so, I prefer like just doing Friday you, night, Saturday, and job, Sunday. If you can't do your job on like three to four hours of sleep, you're not good at your job. I don't know about that. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the actual games themselves. We're going to go back to that Thursday night game later. Let's focus on the Friday night one because after... Over 900 days since 2019, this is the first MLR game that was held in Canada at Starlight Stadium in BC, and that was Toronto versus LA. And the final score, Toronto 16, LA 31. We also have some news coming out of uh, the Toronto Arrows camp is the signing of Canadian eligible scrum half Chris Bell, who was on the bench and made his debut for the Arrows. Derek? Do you want to give your thoughts on this first? Because I have some thoughts about this game. Yeah, I mean, I think first first and foremost, it's nice to see the arrows back on Canadian soil. I think in the first half, especially, you could really feel like the team kind of thriving off the energy that was in the crowd. And you can kind of see what, I guess, what playing in front. I know, I know ultimately the end result was wasn't the greatest, but in the first half, you can really kind of see the, you know, the energy that the that was provided just by the by the team playing there. And I know that you know it's not in Toronto; it's maybe officially a neutral venue game, but that's probably. But that's like the first time since Sam Malcolm kicked the drop goal that I think I looked at Toronto scoring and the vast majority of the people in the stadium cheered 
right? Like it hasn't been yeah. like, right? Like when Mike Shepard, you know, had that charge down and crossed the line and like that, you know, it's like it, the, the sound of the crowd was like, it sounded so sweet, even just watching it on TSN, just because it's like, man, like, I don't remember the last time I actually watched the arrow score a try and a crowd cheered. Um, so that was really cool to see. So, I mean, from, from the kind of, I guess that emotional element of it without actually analyzing the game, it's nice to see, it was just nice to see like the arrows playing in front of a crowd that's supporting them for the first time in like since 2019, 900, like eight, 900 days, however many we're at now, it's going to be over a thousand by the time they actually play in Toronto, I think. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know. It was nice to get that, uh, that, you know, it was just nice to see that, that, the atmosphere there as well. Um, I guess going on to the game itself, I think obviously the, the end result, um, not ideal, um, getting nearly doubled up by LA. Um, first half was brilliant. The second half, a uh, bit of a struggle is I think kind of like LA's backs um, sort of woke up a little bit. I think there, there's a lot that kind of, I guess, happened in this game. I'll say uh, f- first, I think right off the bat, one of the first things I noticed, um, Ben Lesage is goddamn annoying when you were cheering against him. I must say. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a terrible experience. Um, he had like... in. You know, after Will Kelly made it three nothing with that early penalty, right? The arrows kind of marched back down and were hammering away at the Giltini's line, and the forwards were doing a, some pick and goes and stuff. There was, you know, keeping it really close, and then like LA's LA's pack, you know, to their credit, was doing well keeping them out. And Brody decided to go out wide to Jones, and Lasage hit Jones like probably half a meter away from the try line got up and immediately hit Brody who came in and scooped up the ball and tried to score and pulled him like back off the try line. So he kind of massage like immediately had like two try saving, two try saving tackles like really early in the game. And the rest of his game I thought was kind of, was kind of similar. It's everything that we loved watching about Ben massage when he was in arrows colors was you know, as, as much as fun, I had so much fun watching him do that um, all year last year. And it is not as much fun watching him do that when he is wearing a black and pink jersey as when he was wearing a blue and white one. But, you know, so that was kind of nice to see some of the Canadian guys, I guess, have a good game for them. But I think ultimately in the first half, it was nice to see the arrows get out to a lead early, put that pressure on. Um, I think the big positive from that first half is the defense was phenomenal in the first half oh absolutely yeah yeah like there, there's so many like i mean for one the try um yeah with, you know uh will kelly threw a pass that got intercepted by trainer trainer kind of ran up a little ran ran up the pitch a little bit there was a ruck and then flesh had the first charge down they kept playing and then shepherd got the other charge down so it was like the defense creating tries um, just through um, through back to back charge downs, which is a tough thing to do on any on any team, right? Um, yet alone LA. And you know, obviously Shepard's kind of scored underneath the post. We got the big crowd eruption. There was obviously the the obviously epic goal line stand toward the end of the first half too. Um, that 
was just like LA just hammering away at the line. Every player, like, you know, Keith was in there, Quatrin, Rumble, Shepard, like who else was on the pitch? Every everybody that was on the pitch, Flesh, Cellini, um, especially like all those forwards, um, Foley at the time, like everybody was making their tackles, everybody was in the proper position, no one was taking penalties. They eventually get that turnover and the ball's cleared. LA kind of comes back at them again. They get another turnover, balls cleared, and you can kind of really feel like the energy of that team, and it's just you know, at that point in the game, it's like, I just want to like bottle that like defensive stand and use like that energy needs to just stick with the team the entire way. Um, yeah. You know, through this season, um, which yeah. like that's I, unbelievable. Just, yeah. That, unfortunately that, though, the game didn't end at the halftime whistle. Unfortunately not. And, the, no, that and is, that's, yeah. that's the, this is what I want to talk about now because this is the second game in a row in which the Arrows have been unable to score in the second half. Yeah. And, and it's frustrating to watch, really. And you see things like, um, so trainer gets yellow carded for a deliberate knock-on. The Arrows are a man up. What happens? They overthrow the line out. Mm. Um, the Giltinis have the ball. They eventually kick for... Um, distance, Will Kelly is unable to claim the high ball, by which point three Giltini's players are running up and would have tackled him if he had caught it, but they then kick the ball ahead. They pick it up the ball because there's no one back there and it's a try. You are a man up and you concede seven and you score nothing. And then... Um, and this speaks to the injury list they have at the moment and the players that are coming off the bench. From the 70th minute onwards, it just seemed like everyone was tapped out. They'd given their all, obviously, with the defensive stance in like the first half. But they were just letting silly things slide. They were missing tackles. They were out of position. And that allowed um, LA's final try to go through. Um, and it seems to be, I, I was saying to my girlfriend, it's exhausting trying to be a fan of men's, um, professional rugby in Canada wow, because it's getting harsh. <laughs> well, That's think harsh. about, think about it from an arrows fans point of view. Two You've been in. But th- it's not just two games, it's a season and two games. Because you, you've been saying, we've been saying that, oh, you know, they're down in Atlanta, you know, there's mental fatigue going on. They're obviously away from friends and family. That's why their performances haven't been any good. But the only time I remember the Arrows not scoring in the second half was the first game of the season. And at and to their credit, they also prevented Atlanta from scoring in the second half as well. So you could say a match defense. But when you're, um, I think it was like four points up at half time, and you have the momentum going into the second half, and then you ship 19 points and there's no response, it is super difficult to try and find the positives. From that, and I know we've been saying like, oh, you know, um, that defensive effort, 
in the first 40 minutes, being in BC, being in Canada, having home support or as close to home support as you can get before they play in Toronto. But we have to talk about the second 40 minutes and the fitness issues in which guys are falling off at like the 70 minute mark when we want them to need them even to be still be going when it gets the 80 and the final whistle. Because we know that this team has the capabilities of reaching the championship final. We've seen this team have their backs against the wall and then turn it around and show something positive. But when you go two games where you're conceding without anything to show for it in the second half, it is exhausting trying to support it. And the reason why I said men's professional rugby in Canada are not women's is because if it wasn't for England being super dominant, I'm pretty sure the Canadian women will be number one seed in the world. But that's a different conversation. And so I'm... And then I'm like, oh, you know, we'll leave it for round three. You know, maybe that'll be third time, third time such charm. We'll be able to get it up. Who are they facing? Nola, a team they've never beaten. And I'm not saying there's bad juju about playing in New Orleans, but the Arrows have played there three times and lost every time. And they've only played the gold there twice. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. We, I, I honestly, I think Arrows fans. I think we blow up the they haven't beat Nola a little too much. In all honesty, like it's they're it's that's like, you play twice a year. It's it's four games. I mean, it's not yeah. ideal, but it's like whatever. It's like it's the same thing. It's like we'll be like, oh, like haha, we've never we they've San Diego's never beaten them. It's like it's it's three games. Like it's you know they haven't beat LA yet either. It's two games. It's not that big of a deal. I don't think. Um, I wouldn't be afraid of Nola next week. Nola hasn't look, exactly looked like world beaters themselves. Um, yeah, but Derek, this is the same rhetoric they were using of picking Toronto over LA. And 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 we're, well, we're not going to be talking about the future game. We're talking about this game that's just happened. This is... Yeah. Um, and I know that there's a long injury list. Like Even Kyle Bailey had to pull out just before... Um, kickoff because yeah. of a niggle. Um, the injury so, list is. I think. I think that's the thing. Is I, I think the injury list is a concern right now. Yeah, I think. there are eleven the players a, yeah, injured, and nine of them are backs. So yeah, there's that's the of majority backs. of your attacking platform. And I think I unable think to execute. It, yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously that's you know that's impacting. Um, I think one of those things that. Um, like you said, it's like they haven't scored a try. They haven't scored a point in the second half through the two games this year, which even though like, I mean, I just kind of I mean, I think in general with what you were saying, I'm kind of like, it feels like I need that. Uh, like, what's that hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy? Like the don't panic sign flashing on the screen right now. Um, I think we need to like kind of maybe bring that out. Um, I don't I don't think. I don't think like the arrows are necessary. Like it's not time to like, it's not panicking. I think especially you look at the Eastern conference, there's three teams that are Owen two right now. Um, two teams had a bye week. So there's only like, there's one team with two wins in the Eastern conference right now. So it's not like, you know, there's no sense in like looking at the standings right now and being like, it's, it's done going. Owen three to start the season is definitely not ideal though. 
Um, I do think, though, it'd be nice to get a couple of those backs healthy and back. Obviously, we mentioned that they signed Chris Bell, which, you know, in signing this week kind of looks like something that was necessitated, um, whether or not, however that timing worked out, I don't actually know. But yeah, like Ferguson and Brown are hurt. So you need another scrum half. And then Chris Bell shows up during this week too, right? So um, kind of dipping into the well of having to sign guys to, uh, you know, f- make up and fill injury spots. Chris Bell signed as a scrum half and he played as a wing. Um, Brody played outstanding. So, I mean, there's no reason for him to come off, especially when Goddard's also going 75 plus minutes um, for LA anyways. And quite frankly, kind of watching that matchup between Goddard and Brody, it's like, that might've been like, that's, that's probably two of maybe two of the three or best scrum halves in MLR going head to head. And it was a uh, pretty fun to watch. Goddard obviously got the upper hand at the end of that game though. I, I think, I just think like, obviously the injuries to the backs is a concern translating to a concern like you said that they haven't scored a point in the second half yet also translating to a concern that as i mentioned earlier you know only one of the try one of the two tries that they scored is created by the attack and the other try is defensive um created by a couple a pair of back-to-back charge downs right so it's like i think that would be the one thing i'm looking for as we go into NOLA is to be like the, I would like to see like the off the attack and the offense get going a little bit more um, just because, yeah, you kind of need it. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think like ultimately, I think there's some positives like to look at the game last week, Stu, you mentioned you didn't like the penalties against um, in the, in the season opener against Seattle discipline and penalties a lot better this week. Um, certainly. Um mm-hmm. Right. They were definitely a lot better this week. I said there was, um, you know, a missed line outside a a couple of key areas. Um, I agree with you. The uh, the the yellow card, that's a tough situation. Like they can obviously to to get the yellow in the field position that they did to not only turn that over and not score a try yourself, but to really quickly concede a try going back the other way. It's. You know, it's just, it's a momentum killer. It's a big momentum killer. And um, obviously um, that was, so that was Chambers to try. So that was the first, that was Will Chambers first try in major league rugby. And that was the first try that LA scored in the second half. So that was kind of like the first points of the second half too, um, which if my, which gave LA like that narrow, narrow 17, 16 lead. And then they never looked back from that point either. Yeah. So that, that yellow card ended up being a really big turning point in the game, but it was a turning Not point, the wrong, the turning point you wanted it to. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I do think, I do think that the, the arrows are still doing a lot of things, right? Like, I think like it, it, the defense is a huge positive. I think looking at this game right now, I think, I think, it's gonna I it's good I'm hoping that we're getting some of the guys back from injury um huge positive thing speaking of getting a guy back from injury Matt Hood was the best player for the Toronto Arrows in this game yeah he um, was overall. fantastic um yeah so that's his obviously his MLR debut 
um, he was making, you know, he was coming off his wing to make, he was coming off his wing, getting involved in the attack constantly, making all the necessary tackles. He rocked Ryberg once. And that is a big, that was fun to watch. Yeah. And he, and um, yeah, he forced a knock on, on Ryberg. That was a huge hit. Um, I think he, uh, I think he might've annoyed Ryberg a little bit too. And uh, Ryberg kind of mouthed back at the ref and, uh, you know, extra 10 and, uh, and a yellow card for his troubles there too. That's the other thing. The arrows actually played up a man for like 15 minutes in this game and had nothing to show for it. Um, yeah. Right. And which is obviously, you know, a, con- a bit of a concern, but I do think like, yeah, like hood hood was outstanding. Every time hood touched the ball, something positive happened. Um, he was taking some, he took some really big hits himself, just bounced back up. Basically, like there was nothing happened. You wouldn't even know that he was getting hit unless you looked at his face and the jersey that he was wearing covered in blood. Um, yeah. But but like I loved seeing that kind of that toughness from him. So that was for like as far as a debut and a player coming back from injury, that was like more than thrilled seeing what Matt Hood brought to the table. Uh, I thought he was yeah, he was just outstanding the entire game. Um, I think I think a big thing too, obviously, like you know the possession. And territory in the first half was pretty even. I think the arrows even had a slight edge in territory. And then the second half was a complete shift in that, where LA dominated um, both possession and territory in the second half. Right, and there was a lot of rugby being played in the arrows' own end. And I think, like you know, that is one of the things is that we're, we're talking about how great the defense was, is because they had. And I think it was, despite the fact that they did give up. Um, five tries and 31 points um the defense especially the defense in the first half was extremely good um it just i don't know i guess it cracked at the end um but it was like it kind of cracked because they were had to play a lot of defense right and you know that's something they made according to the uh, the mlr app and all the stats that are being put up there which is again something that we are you know, it was really nice to see that the league's kind of doing, but according to that, according to the stats on the app and stuff, the arrows made 177 tackles to Giltini's 101, right? Which means like you're playing a lot more defense than the other team if the gap and like the tackle count gap is that high, right? So it's you know, it, it is something that I think going forward, like we know most of the back line, most a lot of the back line is hurt. Um, but at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of guys that are still like, like Brody is obviously the starting scrum half Jones and Tafug are going to be the starting centers, right? You're just hoods going to be like the start. Hood's probably a starting winger. Mirez might be a starting fullback. Um, you know what I mean? Like you're probably really like, I mean, looking at that arrow, uh, I guess, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of a bleak way of looking at it. I don't know. Like kind of looking at the, uh, the arrows, like line, it's like, maybe you're missing like Malcolm hopefully is going to come back. He's listed as, you know, day to, he was listed as day to day. Yeah, it's day to day at the moment. He, he flew out to BC. He was on the trip. He was doing like the water and bringing Kelly like the tea um, for yeah. the, and stuff. So like he was out there. So that's telling like that's kind of telling me that he's close. And yeah, it's like hopefully he's coming back and hopefully he can inject a little something into the offense. But as well as that, too, because um, I think one of the things that, you know, with with Malcolm, too, is. I don't know if his defense is underrated, but it might be a little. I don't want to say it's under underappreciated. Underappreciated, yeah, because it's like he yeah. is a great defensive player, 
too. Well, so that'll also. Well, this is the thing play. about Malcolm. I think that well, he's obviously played the majority of his career at fullback, and if it was between wing and fullback, I'd prefer to have Mirez on the wing, and mm. Matt Hood now clearly first choice on the other wing as well. So I I think having mean- Kelly and um, Malcolm on the field and having like two options of kicking would definitely make a improvement in the back row and like eight and open up the arrows attack completely. However, I also don't want to be reliant on saying that, Oh, we need to have Malcolm. if We're going to win games. That's not what I'm trying to say. As in, we need to have like other options as well yeah, and have that come for, but that will be for this coming Saturday when they play new Orleans. Because now we're going to talk about some other Canadian appearances in the rest of the game. So we so we started with Sunday with the Super Bowl. We went back to Friday, and now we're going back again to that Thursday kickoff between Seattle and Utah. And uh, definitely looks as though the seawall has been rebuilt after two years of it yeah, uh, not too fading. Bad, right? Not too bad. Yeah. So it was. It wasn't just a flash in the pan against uh, the arrows. It is definitely back yeah. there. Um, Shout out to Nakai Penny for scoring the try. Oh, I was just about to say that. Uh, finishing off that set-piece try, it's, it's been yeah. so good that MLR and the Rugby Network have done like a 90-second breakdown of the build-up of the try and showing that how the players like Ross Neal telling the fullback to get back in position. Mm. Um, the winger who is from the US 7s, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name at the moment. Martin um, He's kind of well, a big deal. Well, still. it's a good thing that you remembered it because I probably would have butchered the name anyway. Yeah, um, he's kind of a big deal, man. He's yeah, kind of a big deal. Him, um, Riker Hatting coming in as well, and the long pass out to Penny, and yeah, that pass was I, nasty. I can, that is yeah. that is probably the best try of the season so far. It's I well, say. I mean the. I think if you were to kind of break it, like the early candidates, that one that Austin White scored um, for Atlanta in Week One. With the uh, the like, the Ryan Nell had the between the legs pass to uh, to set him up or whatever. Like that's up there. I think it's between that and Penny right now. But uh, yeah, because because Penny was scored by a Canadian, he obviously gets the edge in that. Yeah, uh, Penny was Penny was nasty in this game too, man. He's uh, making a lot of well, and and that's the thing we were saying last week. It's after being injured, it's great to yeah, see Penny up again. Right you know, really competing for that. Yeah. Uh, Canada jersey as well, you know, as the team is now looking to uh, the 2027 qualification, you, this is the time to now being showing yourself as being one of those starters for the next few years yeah. going forward. Yeah, exactly. There's all, yeah, the, like, yeah, I think it was just great to see like him kind of coming, um, coming on really strong. That really, what'd you think of that um, super interesting, the, that uh, random, uncontested scrums with the yellow card rule that came up or whatever this, like that was so i've personally never saw that before and that was n- neither have i I've whenever I, whenever it's before. been an uncontested scrum it's always been the case of yeah. um either a play has been sent off and that and their replacement isn't available so you have to be uncontested or it is a case of it's an injury yeah. and therefore but in that case, what I've seen happen before is so the opposite number just won't be in the scrum mm-hmm. to therefore keep it even. And then you know that it's uncontested and it's just feed it in 
no one moves. But the fact they had to get someone on the field with a rule book is kind of yeah, see, that was unsettling. I'm yeah, I was just saying, I'm I'm f- like I mean as much as big of a rugby fan as I am, and as much as I want to be like you know pretend that I have this like in depth knowledge or whatever, it'll never surprise me if I find out there's a law that I have never heard of before right so like seeing this i was like oh like that's that's a new one to me i've never seen that come up in a game but the thing that i thought like i was actually kind of like laughing while it was happening because there was that that conversation between hatting the referee and i guess off-field official sideline official whatever whichever his title was um and like kind of them three kind of like arguing it and like I think the the off field official seemed very confident that he knew what the rule was, but Riker Hadding was making sure that the referee was not very confident that they knew what the rule was. And I really enjoyed watching Riker Hadding almost convince the officiating staff that that wasn't the rule. And I'm not sure like if Riker Hadding was aware of what the rule was and he was just trying to be like a good captain or was trying to actually argue that. But I yeah. really enjoyed that he he got so close to like talking his way out of that rule. And yeah, well, I think so. Obviously, as a captain, he's biased. He's already a man down. He doesn't want to be captaining, though. Like he exactly, but uh, but understanding of like where's the bias come from? You're already down one man, and now you're saying you have to be down another man as well. Yeah, not the uh, way you want to go. But uh, congratulations (laughs) to Seattle for winning that game. And now we move on to the Saturday fixtures. Um, And then we have San Diego versus Dallas. Now, Dallas have certainly shown that they're not just there to make up numbers. They had a very good game. It was just unfortunate that they're up against the experience of the Legion. And um, again, there were a few issues, like technical issues with... um, at uh, the SDSU um, car park, as I call it. Um, this, is a, this is a plea to the Legion and to anyone involved in that. Please stop having the stadium announcer try to be a commentator. It's infuriating. Stop it. Um, but that's it. Uh, Mo Abdelmonem uh, stepped in as captain for the Dallas Jackals. And put in a great performance, nearly had a try, which unfortunately um, didn't count in the end. But and, um, I think this game was far closer than the scoreline shows at 37-29 to Seattle. Because for a point, Dallas was leading. And then obviously skills and experience and knowledge just seemed to come in for uh, San Diego and give them the win in the end which gives them two wins at home and both uh bonus point wins as well yeah i think yeah no it was obviously uh dallas really hung around in the in this game and we're leading super late until uh like the you know a fury of tries from san diego toward the end of the game and the first of which um you know, kind of great play from uh, Michael Smith to kind of regather a uh, regather a grubber kick through and have a nice offload to Basson. And um, that kind of got San Diego's ball rolling a little bit. San Diego also kind of running into some injury trouble in this game. So that'll be interesting to uh, see how that kind of plays out. Um, Pryor and Rob Shaw both going down. So, um, 
you know, that uh, it'll be, uh, especially from Michael Smith's point of view, that'll be interesting to see how that ends up playing out. Okay, now we're going to move to two games that happened in Texas. Now, because Texas is so large, uh, the geography varies from city to city. So, for example, in Houston, there is what I would call a drought of tries. And I'll explain the other in a bit. Um, but a very close game, a defensive masterclass for the first 60 minutes, which was evened up nil-nil um, until that point, until finally New York were able to break the defensive line, get it out on the wing and get the first try. Um, we thought that may even be the only try. And then Houston were able to follow it up um, with a seven-pointer, and then right at the death, New York got another try without the conversion to make it Houston 7, New York 10. That said, um, if New York hadn't committed so many errors in the first half, they may have had a bonus point win because at least two of their tries that they scored in the first half that were stricken off were because of their own errors as well. Now, of course, New York, this is their first game of the season. They had a bye in week one. Um, so, you know, maybe it's the, you know, dusting off the cobwebs and not being able to see all those little things. Um, but it also shows the importance of having TMO in MLR that we're able to identify those errors and ensure that we're making the right decision. And by we, I mean the referees that I'm not a part of. I don't know what I'm, I was using the Royal. We um, are making the uh, correct decisions. And hear that it's every bad call that has ever been made against your favorite team is Stu's fault. Yeah, it's all me and I'll do it again. Yeah. Don't, don't mess with me. Sam Windsor's return to uh, uh, Houston and yet he scored no points. Which is which is nice of him. He's not going to add salt to the wound. Well, that means um, uh, I think James Dealey had the stat where it's like Ed Fidel is the first player in MLR history to score all the points for his team with none of them being kicks. Yes, uh, that's uh, correct. Because uh, Sam Windsor had um, an all-kicking win against Austin, um, I think during Austin's 0-16 season. When they were absolutely terrible, and then uh, Dan Holland said, "Beat LA single handedly, beat LA yeah. all." Dan Holland, eighteen to sixteen. Did. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, Fidel first guy, so that's a cool stat from James Dealey too. Um, yeah, but yeah, nice of uh, I guess what did did uh, Sam Windsor like? I hope Sam Windsor goes back to like the apartment uh, that he was living in in Houston and finds the uh, the kicking boots again while he's down there. I don't know if he's uh. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it was just, you know, you don't want to celebrate or score against your old team. Like Ben Lesage didn't score a try against Toronto, which I thought was very nice of him. Yeah, to, he stopped uh, like a handful, though. So. Yeah, but he didn't He didn't score a try. That's the thing. He has to do enough to justify being on his new team, while at the same time not insulting his previous team. I, th I think that was a fair balance to make. You don't, you can, <laughs> you prevent tries, but you don't score tries. That's okay. That's fine. I'm all right with that. So I was saying that it was a drought in Houston. It seemed to be a flood in Austin because like, I'm now I'm saying that, oh, you know, maybe it's a bad start for the season for Toronto. Oh, it is heaven compared to what is going on with DC at the moment. The final score, Austin 57, DC 12. 
I believe the fastest try ever scored in MLR history happened in this yeah, game. That was a quick one. <laughs> the bonus point secured, I believe, at the 25-minute mark for Austin. Yeah. Was it, it was like 31 nothing at halftime. Yes, like, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, just um, it's I. I, I now this is the thing. I, I know the I rugby know. network shows all games, but maybe they should have like just cut the feed of this one because oh, th- this was. It started. It started. Then it was interesting. Then it was funny, and then it stopped being funny, and it started being really depressing. See, the interesting thing is, it's like one. Um, Austin, the last names on the back of the kits now look unreal, and they didn't weren't falling off. The yes. orange they're like stitched on; they look good. Um, whether, whether they yeah. are like quick stitch or just they look the, good, the iron yeah. press is like five times heavier than previously. It works with actually. Speaking of um, names on the back of shirts, um, Houston Houston's starting name to put names too. as well, but under, under the, number the number as well, yeah. which and I don't. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't know if I because I think like I I in general like I like I I mean we've said it on the pod before, but it's like in general I do like the idea of putting last names on the backs of jerseys. I found though like watching the SaberCats first two games this year though, just because of where it is on the jersey, especially for the forwards, the name gets like, it gets crumpled up, doesn't it? Up a lot. Yeah. And, um, so makes it a yeah, little I, so yeah I, but i mean but like the thing, they got a sponsor up above the uh, i think that's the, why they don't have it in that, that place be, yeah so. maybe that was some a spot that was already the way it was sold or whatever anyway. but like the other thing though like with houston's names though is like watching them like they don't look like they're coming off either like the quality no like, that seems to be yeah. properly on as well um, what, in, what what i find curious is that obviously um both um LA and Austin are owned by um, Adam Gilchrist and Royals Ro- Loyals Rugby LLC. And yet LA don't have the names on the backs of their shirts. I, I'm well, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a, that's and a, that's the thing because they're supposed to somebody else in Austin. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like, I mean, and even obviously Houston, I like, it's, it's interesting. It's like, like, I don't know if um, I'm up for like, like, I don't know if people would be up for like making it a rule and saying every team has to do it, but it's like I kind of like teams slowly doing it or whatever. Like yeah. as as you know, time goes on. Um, it's yeah, I don't know. I thought they looked good, um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be really curious to see Austin next week though, because they got Utah next week. They don't have, like the first. Oh, yeah. games, they're putting up big numbers, but it's like the first the first game is against the expansion team uh, which I mean no disrespect to Dallas but it's the first game it's the expansion team and the second game seems to be the team that kind of listening to a lot of like you know the podcast and media surrounding MLR seems to almost be a consensus they're might they're going to finish last sort of pick um, you know yeah. across, across you know for um, last in the east um, you know like so it's and they're putting up big numbers on those teams and it's like i want i'm curious to see austin or sorry utah excuse me as we've kind of mentioned obviously they're having this tough start too right which um they're also owing to out the gate so that's going to be a big kind of i guess a little bit of some intent that you can put down a bit of a marker for the rest of the season for both those teams kind of 
like like I said, it's like the biggest complaint or the biggest criticism knock on Austin last year was that they couldn't score. And yeah, they can. Yeah, that, so. I was going to say that looks different, but we'll see what it looks like against a, um, you know, uh, another team that can score, but also a team with uh, with some really good defense. And um, man, I don't know, like through like, I, I guess it's like making the preseason predictions. Um, It lo- really looked like, you know, old glory might struggle this year. And then it's like seeing the first two games and how those games have played out. It's like this, this could be a long season for uh, DC fans. Yeah, I can um, imagine that as well. Okay, one final game from uh, the weekend was uh, down at the gold mine, uh, Nola Gold versus uh, Rugby ATL. And, you know, when this game was on last year, this was a tense thriller. I believe the final score was something like. 7 6 mm-hmm. was the final result. Um, ATL uh, was the only team to score tries, but Nola was able to edge into the lead with penalties. And then finally, um, ATL were able to break away, score a seven pointer, with the final score being Nola 9, ATL 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last year it was a close thriller. This year it was another one as well. I think it was a really enjoyable game to. Um, watch and to enjoy, um, you know, and especially because the Houston um, New York match and Austin DC match was on at the same time. I was just like switching between the channels, seeing um, what was going on. But and you know, it's like showing the ATL able to see out the victory, even though uh, things start to go against them. You know, this is the um, defending Eastern Conference champions, yeah. and they're going to be wanting to you know, be Eastern Conference champions again, because they're obviously, they've made it to the final. They want to be lifting the shield as well. You know, I think this is the start of a good season for um, the Rattlesnakes. Yeah, since like, yeah, good for them, man. I think they, uh, I mean, we said it a couple of weeks ago. We were like, I don't like the vibe that they're sending off right now. Like, it looks like, you know, like the head coach is gone coach gone Uh, new ownership because of um obviously tragic reasons but yeah you know is it but you know it's so close to the start of the season as well yeah yeah like like yeah players getting their uh their contracts terminated for breaking breaking code of conduct policy and yeah it's just it's a lot right and um they it looks like it does not really have that much of an effect on them because they're playing great to start the season only team in the Eastern Conference that starts uh, to start two and zero so far. Um, like I said, that's partly because you know the two bye weeks so far have been Eastern Conference teams. So New York mm-hmm. got off. New York has their one and zero start, and then um, New England also won their game in Week One. So you got. That's what I'm saying. It's like going kind of going back to your discussion. It's like I'm not I'm not concerned. Like I mean, obviously I want to see some wins and stuff and probably looking for some more points on the board from the arrows this weekend, but like the Owen two start, I'm not too concerned with it. I don't think you definitely don't want to go to Owen three, but like the Eastern conference is kind of the way it's shaped out so far. Half the conference is Owen two. Um, and then, you know, the other half is barely has, you know, mm-hmm. played a combined four games. Right. So yeah. um, it's, you know, it's, it's, not enough. I guess we're kind of rounding it out, looking at the way all the games played out, and um, looking where the arrows stand. It's like 
I wouldn't be panicking. I wouldn't like, you know, um, I think, I think that I think this game is definitely going to have to be like, it, it might be weird to like, I think this, you, you have to win this game. I think, I don't think anybody wants to start 0 three, no matter how much no. I'm kind of preaching that you can climb back out of that. And it might not be that big, but yeah. And, and like you said, Stu, like, I mean, even though, I kind of downplayed it a, a bit there. Like it would be nice to get, you know, get a win against the team that you haven't beat before yet. So um, the East is, I think the East is going to be pretty wide open. It's just, you know, there's a, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. Like the first two weeks, I don't think anybody's, I mean, Atlanta looks good, but I don't know if anybody's like set to like pull away um, from the pack yet. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to watch rugby this weekend, these are the places you can do so. Um, so this week is a rest week for the Six Nations, so that will not be on. But that means that Premiership and URC fixtures are going ahead, and you can watch them on Sportsnet. Um, down in the Southern Hemisphere, a new competition is taking place, the Super Rugby Pacific, which introduces the two new teams, um, the uh, Fijian team and the Samoan team as well. And they have announced that they are going to be shown on TSN as well. Um, if you want to watch the Japan League One, you know, you're doing uh, night shifts, just uh, waking up at midnight to watch games. Absolutely not a problem. You can watch them for free on the Rugby Network, as well as any non-Arrows game of the MLR season. That'll be available on the Rugby Network in Canada as well. But if you are looking to watch the Arrows fixture against NOLA, that will be this Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on TSN. So we now move on to our predictions to end the podcast with. Uh, Derek, you are currently on seven wins, five losses. I'm on five wins, seven losses. And the Toonie is perfectly split down the middle, six and six. So we have the first fixture of the weekend, and it is an Eastern clash. It is DC versus New England. Derek, pick the team. Uh, It feels mean to say it, but like, how how do you how do you pick dc so new england yeah like yeah exactly just, yeah like, like, let's just rip the band-aid off yeah we're picking like, new zealand new, new zealand no new england yeah we're picking well, new england hey if new zealand was playing dc i would pick new zealand too um yeah okay but, uh, yeah new england okay. new england old england whatever it's i mean I, I they look like they're gonna struggle man uh-huh yeah, but this will be a home fixture for DC as well, so they'll be back at Segra Field. So that'll be maybe maybe that can be the uh, start of their um, winning ways, or at least home support to get in like bonus. So pick them then. No, um, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I'm optimistic, but I'm not. Yeah. No, naive. so pick them. Um, pick them. Uh, no, I'm picking New England. No. I'm saying it's oh. the start of them scoring bonus point tries. I never said the start of them winning. Um, Okay, next up we have um, the uh, replay of the Eastern Conference Clash from last year. This is ATL versus New York. Now, interestingly, during the regular season, New York won both their games against Mm. uh, Rugby ATL. And only when it mattered did ATL edge them out. But I think ATL, you know, they've got two games under their belts. As some teams have shown, they maybe need like a game and a half to get in to winning ways. Um, but this is going to be, I'm hoping this is going to be another very close um, contest as well, but I'm going to go for ATL. I'm going to go for New York then. 
Uh, now you're being different. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about a fixture that you mentioned before, Austin versus Utah. Barn this will burner. be at Bold Stadium. Um, you know what, Derek, who are you going to pick? Um, It'll be interesting because this obviously this was the big playoff race last year. Utah, not you, the two teams that kind of had the opposite start to the season now too, right? Austin 2-0, Utah 0-2. I think, though, I think I'm. I want to pick Utah. Okay, and all right. I That's think fair. I want. I think I don't know. I think that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I'll. Uh, I think I'm going to take Utah for no. I can't really come up with a reason for why I'm saying this, but I'm just like I think I'm going to. I think Utah. I'm going to say I think I do know the reason is because. I do have a feeling that Utah may come into this and be firing think... on all cylinders. And I think I, th- wasn't this the fixture as well that um, was the start of last season, which was decided by the last kick of the game, and it was just Austin yeah, epic, yeah. missed it. So yeah. we know that this is going to be a close clash as well. But you know, if you're going to pick the opposite of what I'm picking, then I'm going to pick the opposite of you. I will go with Austin. Then I will go with the home. I, I think the big one with that, with like kind of watching Utah, is it's like I know, I know it's fun that they're all kind of like you know making these epic comebacks. But like, so we've kind of seen this year, it's stuff. It's like the come some of these comebacks are like kind of falling short. Like they almost came back on Seattle. Right, but it's like just yeah. didn't have enough time. And it's like I think with them, it's like you know I know uh, like you know like they just they gotta like I guess to borrow a hockey term, it's like starting on time or whatever. Like I just want to like I want to see like you know I, it's cool that they come from behind all the time, but it's like be they, I, I don't know I think they they'd be served well to like you know get ahead of it, we'll get ahead of it, start playing with the lead a little bit and. No, not necessarily have to play some like desperation rugby to try to score like two or three tries in the last 15 minutes of a game all the time. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have another addition in the Texas Cup. It is Dallas versus Houston. This will be Dallas's first home game ever in MLR. Mm-hmm. And I want to go with Dallas and I think the home support is going to help. But like uh, DC versus New England, I think that Houston are on a much clearer path of where their achievements can go. I hope that this is going to be another close fixture again, but I will go with Houston. Um, Houston has dressed Robbie Povey in two games and not played him. Dallas made Mo Abdelmanum the captain. So I'm picking Dallas. That is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, exactly. Understandable. No. Yeah, exactly right. That's the key analysis that you come onto the show for. But um, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, even when I'm, I'm, I'm down to roll with the jackals. Okay, now we have the arrows fixture, which, as we've said before, is against Nola Gold. Derek, who are you picking? Um, yeah, man. Uh, like I said, you can't. I don't. You can't. I don't want to see. You can't start zero three. Um, that's gonna, that's going to be a big hole to kind of climb out of. Even though there is three winless teams in the East through the first two weeks, um, it, uh, like you want to want to do your best to make sure that there's two winless teams, um, or at the very least there's one winless team. We'll see how DC does, but we didn't, weren't confident in DC. 
um, at the end of this one. So I think, I mean, I think Toronto. I'm I'm sticking with Toronto. I think I think the defense. All right. There, okay. The offense is there too. Um, the offense. I would love to see start clicking a little bit more though. Yeah. We need to see a little bit more out of the attack, but okay, I think it can do so. It. So this is the thing because everyone that I pick and I have the losing record at the moment. So if I pick a team to win, they're probably going to lose. Mm. So by that logic, I will pick Nola. And therefore I have cursed them to <laughs> lose that game. Traitor. So it is a sacrifice on my behalf. I'm no, you're still a traitor. Like, still a traitor. You had some, uh, whatever, whatever makes you sleep well at night. Okay. Final no, fixture you, of the you weekend. Have to pretend that you, you want to pick the air. You had some harsh words early in this podcast. I know. Yeah. So it's like, you, you can I know. Pick Nola. And everything I said was accurate and I stand by it. And, and I think I'm going to pick Nola. Okay, and therefore yeah, that means that they Nola. lose. You don't, you don't have to. I just said I'm picking Nola. Stop All right. spinning this out. Right. San Diego versus Seattle. Um, it's going to be at SDSU. So who do you have? The 2019 uh, final. One small. Yeah, the rematch, the always good one. Both teams kind of looking good to start the season too. Um, I'm going to roll with the San Diego Legion on this one. All right. Okay. Um, I think Seattle is coming along really well. I think San Diego have done um, tremendously as well. Obviously, home advantage is doing wonders for them at the moment. But just to pick the other team, just so we're not even all the way, I'm going to go with Seattle. And if you're wondering, where are the Toonie picks and where can I find out what the Toonie has selected? You can find out on our new TikTok account at The Rouge Rugby. We're also available across social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at The Rouge Rugby. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, you can either listen uh, through Spotify or Anchor FM, or you can watch us on YouTube at The Rouge Rugby. And if you are watching, you'll notice that Derek and I have our social media handle underneath us. But if you're listening, you obviously can't. So, Derek, where can people find you? Uh, at ReceptaJet across every social media platform. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, uh, it's another episode done. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we hope you can join us for the next one.